Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Nora. And we are your hosts on this week's Too Vig podcast. How are you doing, Nora? I'm just peachy. Peachy? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's good, right? Yeah. When is, it's good. I'm doing fine. When is peach season? Now. So it's appropriate. It's kind of just starting now okay. up here. Okay. So it's the it's the preferred seasonal fruit. Well, cherries, too. Well, cherries? Okay. See, now I'm kind of curious. Why, why don't we have a peach moon? Yeah. I mean, maybe the cycle is longer than with the strawberries. Could be. That our... could be. That could be. But we're not talking about more moons or fruits on this week's episode. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> we're going to be talking about... Another interesting word, like like last week's word, which was roll. This week, we're going to talk about the word pin. Pin? Yes. Like P-I-N. Correct. Not okay. P-E-N. Not like penguin. <laughs> it's pen. Yeah. Anyway, it's actually the word pin. Definitions of the word pin. I only came up with three definitions. Oh, okay. Why don't we start with your definitions then? Well, I mean, they're from Webster's Dictionary or something. Yeah. The first one, I think, is most used, uh, a thin piece of metal with a sharp point and an end, used especially for fastening cloth. And uh, I could say that again. I mean, if you want to, go ahead and say it again. Yeah, because I, I stumbled a little. Okay, that's right. cool. A thin piece of metal with a sharp point on one end used especially for fascinating cloth. Fastening cloth or fascinating? <laughs> Maybe both. It could be. I guess it's fascinating cloth if you like the if you like the pattern. They also had a uh, like and the other end had a, a little round globe thing on it. Okay. And, but that's not necessarily. I mean, that's a, a sewing the yeah. kind you know, straight pin, the kind you use for sewing, but other ones don't necessarily. Right. And to me, a whole bunch of the pins that we have here kind of go with that definition. And there's another one that a metal projection from a plug or an integrated circuit, yeah. which makes an electrical connection uh, with a socket or another part of the circuit. Right. So that's kind of like socket, female, plug, male. So the the things sticking out are the pins. I think it's mostly, I mean, what I think of a, is a printed circuit board or PCB. That's what I think of when I think of pins. There are certain connectors, like if you're building a computer, for example, or you know, you want to make, need to make an electrical connection, there are pins on the board that you put the connector in, and that's a good definition of what a pin is. I did notice in just thinking of things and, and looking up a little bit, but the word pin is used a lot in technology. Definitely. Those are your definitions? Well, there was the verb to fasten or fascinate with a pin <laughs> or pins in a specified position. Right. For instance, her hair was pinned back, that sort of thing. Yeah. Not to get negative, but hold someone in place or holding something in place would be to pin something. Definitely. Let's go back to the noun. There are all sorts of pins used in not only technology, but medical. Like if you have um, some sort of surgery, sometimes yeah. they use pins to connect bones and things. Yeah. 
as anchor points. Of course, let's not forget bowling pins. The pin is a target in, in bowling. Yes. Those are the definitions, noun, and verbs. I did read something about chess that I ran oh, by yeah. my brilliant brother, who is a chess guy. Both the noun and the verb. In chess, an attack on a piece or a pawn, which is thereby pinned. The pin of the black queen by the white rook. I just thought that pinning something, I was thinking from a standpoint of not being able to move. That's what I would think a pin would be in that context. But he said that's not the way it, it works. It's There's like a value for each piece kind of thing. Mm. I think it's a higher value. A pin piece is usually a lower value piece and it is pinned to a higher value piece. Oh, okay. So the high value piece is the queen. And then there is a an opposite concept called the skewer or the x-ray. But he just started going on about all the chess terms. But anyway, <laughs> it's very, the, the pin used as a term in chess is very common according to wow. my, my big resource on, you know, on chess, which is my brother. Yeah, interesting. Adam the Oracle, the chess oracle. Yeah. God, I just never had any joy out of playing chess. Did you ever play though? Well, sure. Okay. I have two brothers. <laughs> so you played, and, uh, you know, and it's like, uh, if yeah, here's a chess set. Let's play. Yeah. Here, I'll teach you what to do. You know, right? But I don't like to think ahead. But you do like to play games, whereas oh yeah, whereas whereas the brothers do not, right? That is correct. Yeah, very much so. Maybe because they're focusing yeah. on boring games like chess. Might be if they played something else. So. <laughs> I don't know charades. I'm always up for charades. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't. Can you think... imagine your father? No. <laughs> I can imagine my father at gunpoint, maybe, <laughs> doing charades. Yeah, I'll dance. Okay, I'll dance. It took a lot for him to do Pictionary, let alone. Oh. That's Remember back in the day, he would do a yeah. game, and then he would be done with it. It would be like, I'll play a game, and it's like, literally, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> One yeah. game, I, and he's done. I do remember playing Pictionary with you guys. Yep. And him, yeah. And I think Anne brings up this story all the time where Adam and I had this sort of shorthand communication mm. thing going on where you'd be draw something that doesn't look anything like the thing that they were trying. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, is it a drop okay. of water throwing a discus? It looks like <laughs> that. And it's like, <laughs> what the hell is that? And then, I, you know. But we right. had to be separated from that point forward if people insisted. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but <laughs> no, I seem no. to remember Adam and I on a Pictionary team is not a good, well, unless you guys want to yeah. lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, the, the games thing is interesting because also I remember, not, not to get off the subject of pins, your mother did a lot of sewing, so we got yep. needles and pins. But right. she was also a card player, yeah? Card and dice yes. stuff. Oh, yeah, dice a little bit, but she was a good card player. Yeah, and I want to say she's the one that taught us how to play. I'm not sure if she taught us how to play hearts or not. No, I doubt it. Okay. What she, uh, she never taught me how to play hearts. Okay. However, it's similar to Pinochle, I think. Okay. And she was a, a, a good 
pinochle player. She liked playing pinochle. She played it a lot. Yeah, I don't like pinochle. And the only reason I don't like pinochle is because it doesn't, it do, it's not pronounced the way it looks. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too many consonants in there. Pinochil. Yeah, Pinochle. And then, yeah, she was she was big on dice. So I think the big game we played with Grandma was Bunko. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That was the big dice game. Yeah, that's game. simple, but it's still okay. You're still um, trying to get higher scores yeah. and stuff. I think one time I won some toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know if it was like a church function or something. I was like, oh, oh great. This is, wow. Thanks. I won <laughs> toilet paper. Fabulous. Probably. At the church, the church giveaway or whatever. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. get back I on the subject that. of pins. Okay. So in the Venn, I like talking about Venn diagrams. You know this. In the Venn diagram of pins and needles, a needle can be a pin, but a pin can't be a needle. Does that make sense? Well, I'd, Does that... I'd say yes. Yeah. I'd say yes. A needle has an eye on one end, and usually it's a little bit pointed, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. But it has an eye to hold thread. Right. Uh, opposite the pointy end. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it like using a, a hammer on a screw, but I mean, you're using the thing for something that's not designed, but in a pinch, right? It's like you can yeah. use well, use them. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's like holding something together. You can use it to hold something in a specific position. Again, with the holding. Yeah, I think that's that's like a common, the common thread. Right. <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, speaking of sewing, yeah. there's straight pins. Right. And people have been sewing for a long time, and they've always needed to pin things together right. somewhat. There's a phrase from... Some song I learned in grade school about a paper of pins. Okay. It's like an old uh, nursery rhyme kind of thing. Oh. Uh, do you know what a paper of pins is? No, I have no idea. It's paper with a bunch of pins on it. Oh. Maybe you've seen needles sometime on a paper and they're all stuck in order. That's how pins used to come on a piece of paper, stuck in, like in a line. Okay. And that's how they sold them. Gotcha. Um, and I think that they were valuable a little bit. Part of this little nursery rhyme thing was a uh, paper of pins, giving somebody a paper of pins. Hmm. And it's like a good gift. Like the toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, oh, Lordy, Lordy. had I known then what I know now, maybe I should have put that uh, toilet paper away in the safety deposit box and hold on to it for COVID or whatever. But a paper of pins, I've never heard that. I, I, it's an old thing. I mean, I it, like I said, like in the early 50s, no. probably, when I was six or something, five or six, I, I had heard it. Yeah. And so we're talking previous generation to me. Right. And I'm damn old, you know. Um, okay, in addition, in sewing, there's also a pin cushion. Right, pin cushions. Let me, before we get on to the phrases and stuff involving pins, yeah. I've got one more definition of PIN, okay. which is PIN as in a personal identification number. You know, your PIN for your bank account. Exactly. Which you should give to me. Right, right. Personal identification number, that's interesting because it was something that came out of the 70s. So Yeah, probably. It's a new, it's just, it's an acronym, but still. And it has to do with advancing technology, really. Back to PIN cushion. A PIN cushion is just 
something that's full of, I, I don't know what it's full of. Pins. I, I know sometimes sand, but sometimes there's this special little sand. And if you stick your needle in the special little place, uh-huh. it kind of sharpens the needle. Oh, interesting. It's usually the little strawberry falling off the tomato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're very common themed pin cushions. I see a lot of tomatoes. Yes, yes. A lot of fruits. That's what they are. Yeah, the pin cushion. I think we talked about this prepping for the show. Things involving the word pin seem to be very descriptive. There's like pinwheel. There's pin to pin the tail on the donkey. There's pinball. There's it's very descriptive of what it is. Pin cushion. You got your pin and your cushion. There you go. <laughs> Right, except that you use pinball. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how does pinball... Yeah, we can get into this a little bit later with the origin of pinball, but in general, it's basically the pin is the target that obscures wherever you're supposed to hit. In the early days, there was a game called Bagatelle, invented in 1775 seven for a party in honor of louis the 16th at the Mm -hmm. chateau de bagatelle Mm. in france so that game involves a cue to shoot a ball up an inclined surface and Mm. towards holes guarded by pins and you were supposed to not hit the pins you're supposed to try and hit the ball in the hole wow. without hitting the pin. Okay. That is where the origin of the game came from. And then the British investor Montague Redgrave, that sounds like an evil name, <laughs> in 1869 came to the U.S. and started manufacturing bagatelle tables. Oh, okay. The general origin of pinball, but it involves a stationary pin yeah. and a ball. Okay, I wasn't exactly sure where the pin fit in. Right. Um, in pinball, I know there's something called a pin table. Okay. What is a you pin? You know what that is? No. What is a pin table? It can just be a table that has legs that look like pins, but huh. it's also used in gaming. Okay. And there's a table, and there's pins sticking up. Okay. And it reminded me of like bagatelle or pinball or something. Gotcha. So it's like. Um, it's like a table for games that you use it like a cue and a, or what is? It's what the people making them would use. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I don't know if this is ever going to take off, but companies make these gaming tables, which is just like board games okay. and you download a board game onto it, but it's basically just a, a display screen and you play a variety of different games on this game table. So you just have a portable sort of thing that you bring around and you can play life, yeah. you can play Monopoly, whatever game yeah. you want to. But I don't know if that's going to, I think there's something about games. I don't know. Maybe it's me just being nostalgic, but it requires a tactile interaction. Yeah. Playing games. It's the same as writing. Yeah. The, the actual tactile sensation of writing the letters helps you um, learn yeah. more. And I think it, it seems to be more enjoyable. I mean, like I've played an online version of Uno, but it's not as mm-hmm. much fun as playing it in person with people. And I, I play um, cribbage sometimes. 
okay. uh, online, but by myself. I don't play with other people. But it's pretty boring. Yeah. Because there's, like you say, there's no people. Plus the cribbage games that I played, I played a couple different ones. They like add up the scores for you. And that's part of the joy of playing cribbage. Interesting. Is working with numbers and cards and pins in a little, in the cribbage board. You have pins that go in the cribbage board and that, to that's keep your score. To keep your score, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of that. That's a good use of pin. You mentioned the scoring thing. Mm-hmm. When it comes to bowling, I enjoyed keeping score. I mean, I have fond mm-hmm. memories of bowling from when I was younger. When we go to dad's, we would bowl occasionally and you know it was fun to do the scoring right yes and there's a tactile thing and now it's just automatically scores based on what you hit yeah right i've seen that even though i haven't been bowling for ages but Yeah. yeah you're right so that takes away i think it takes away part of the understanding of the of the game yeah the scoring you know who's to say what the automatic thing is going to score did you ever do bowling were you ever in a bowling league? No, I wasn't in the league, but yeah, I bowled. Uh, okay. My first husband, Stan, he was a bowler. Oh, okay. Oh, so was Tom, come to think of it, my second husband. Yeah. They were both good bowlers, yeah. Yeah. But I, I bowled with Stan. Okay. And we did pretty good because I was younger, you know. I, and yeah, I, I liked it. And I liked keeping score, too. There's math involved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember I was in a junior league with my brother and some friends. We would do bowling league every weekend for a little while. That was kind of fun where we'd go there and be a part of junior bowling league. But then also when I was in junior high school, I was in bowling club. And that is where I got as close as I ever have to getting a 300. I screwed it up on the last... (laughs) on the last show yeah i i got a 286 and that was like it was just amazing i don't know i wasn't focusing on it it just kind of happened it was just kind of like yeah just kept on getting strike after strike after strike and i'm a straight bowler i'm not one of these curve bowlers that you fancy yeah yeah, right right just straight i I am but by mistake oh uh, my highest score was 185 Okay. And the thing is, we were playing, it was with um, Tom, my husband, and we took mom with us. And Tom was in a league and he bowled all the time. And here I am bowling 185 and mom beat us both with like, and she was old at the time. <laughs> she was like 220 or something like that. Wow. Wisdom. Yeah. The wisdom takes effect when you're bowling. Dad was also pretty good, but his his bowling technique was just whip it as as friggin' hard as possible. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, and I think he had a bowling ball for a little while too. But anyway, I had my own. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that there is a bowling congress? I always thought this. <laughs> I always thought that this mm. was weird. I would see when I was in my bowling leagues, the junior bowling leagues, that they have little things that were the ABC, the American Bowling Congress. Very interesting. Well, I guess they have that sort of for everything, really. Yeah, but why? You know, keep the rules straight. Right. Keep them consistent, right? Right. The current iteration of 
the bull in Congress is the United States bull in Congress. But I just have this, I just have this view of politicians sitting around in a room. <laughs> yeah. And, and they actually do have early pictures of articles that you would add to a rule set like you would the Constitution. Yeah, which is really kind of a strange and yet very American way yes, yeah. of trying to get bowling consistent. But there are no political parties in bowling. Not that I know of. <laughs> yeah, probably probably these days there are, but yeah. we won't go there. Yeah, let's not. We're going to go back to phrases, I think. Phrases and stuff. I have, like, safety pin is different than a straight pin. Yep. Do you know why? Yeah. <laughs> because it's got the clasp right. piece of metal that protects. So you won't stab yourself or your baby exactly Exactly. hey kids don't stab your baby commonly used with with diapers safety pins yeah it had been yeah yeah the safety pin american mechanic walter hunt is regarded as the inventor of the modern safety pin oh yep okay so this is really kind of interesting and eyebrow raising he made the invention in order to pay off a 15 dollar debt to a friend. Okay. He used a piece of brass, which was about eight inches long, and made a coil in the center wire where one would be where you could fasten it like a safety pin, clasp at one end. And after he got the patent, he sold the patent to W.R. Grace and Company for $400. <gasps> What's our date here? That would be 1849. 1849. So, um, and they do a quick sort of like trying to make a conversion in 2021 dollars, but he sold a patent yeah. for $13,000, which seems knowing the safety pin, right? Tremendously undervalued. Yeah, Velcro, yeah, I mean, you know, when Velcro came, it was just a new fastener, somebody just figured it out, and then hopefully, they sold the patent for something more than. $13,000. More than pocket change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I think of safety pins, I think of punk rock. Oh, God, yeah. Punk rock in, in two ways. One, because the safety pin was sort of a fashion of punk rock, worn on clothing and so on and so forth. And also through your various body parts and, you know, like piercings, yeah. people claim that it was originally from Richard Hell. Do you know who Richard Hell is? I never knew who no. Richard Hell was, but he was no. in early punk bands, Neon Boys, television. That's the only one I, I recognize as television. And Richard Hell and the Voidoids. <laughs> but anyway, okay. people attribute the use of safety pins to him because of pictures but Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols insists that safety pins were originally incorporated into punk fashion for practical reasons. And I quote, to keep the arse of your pants from falling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, to fasten your pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there is, a, you know, there is kind of a tattered look to punk fashion back in those days, right? Yeah. And then also needles and pins... I remember Needles and Pins being a song by the Ramones, but originally it's a yeah. song uh, that was written by 
Sonny Bono and who else? Right, right. You're familiar with that original version of yes. Needles and Pins? I can't say I'm familiar with the Ramones version. Oh. If I heard it, I might. I only remember it because Joey Ramone sung it like, and so it begins a needle and yeah, pins exactly. a. It, it pins a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is that the same way it was originally? It's what I remember. Okay. So I, I must remember the Ramones uh, yeah. on, on the radio. But I remember the song from a long time ago. Jackie DeShannon know, like, originally recorded it oh. in 1963. That's what I was thinking, the um, 60s. Yep. It's Jack Nietzsche and Sonny Bono. N-I-T-Z-C-H-E. Kind of a raw deal on that last name, Jack. Yeah, right, right. So those are the two punk rock oriented sort of pin things I yeah. think of. That's Yeah, very true. When you think of safety pins... These days, and, and these days they're uh, 40 years or something, I see safety pins through skin. Apparently I've also adopted it as kind of a, a symbol of solidarity with victims of racism. And oh. it was used for like violence after the Brexit referendum in 2016. Oh. So they, you, they brought back the safety pins. And some jerk. You know, yeah. this, is, this is the thing about... English authors, right, who write the newspaper yeah. articles, they can be pretty friggin' brutal. Yeah. But they referred to, some commentators referred to wearing the safety pin as a symbol as slacktivism. <laughs> I was like, really? Are you kidding me? Well, I think it's pretty good. Well, I mean, people wearing the... The, the ribbon, the pink ribbon for, for cancer. I know, I know. Right? I mean, you know, you wouldn't call that slacktivism, but... No, I just think that the word, I mean, it, it was a clever word. Yeah, it was a... Not necessarily the comment. Yeah, it was the, it was a clever you know, usage of, of combining words. Yeah. Is there anything else you think of pins? You said you had um, a bunch... Tons, tons. Of course, there's like push pins that you use on bulletin boards and stuff. How about hat pins? That's an old one. Yeah. I don't even know if you can get a hat pin these days because women used to wear hats all the time. Right. And the hat pin was in order to pin the hat in place so it didn't blow off. Is that what it is? Yeah. It went through It went through your hair, not your head. Just as long as your aim was good and you had big enough hair. And, oh, bobby pins having to do with hair. Yeah. Yeah. Or hair pins, some people call them, but bobby pins. They hold your hair in place. They fit more the verb definition, even though it's an adjective. But and another thing with the pins, there's jewelry pins. Uh -huh. Sometimes they're not popular. Sometimes they're more popular. It's like a brooch that's, right. uh, that, you know, somebody might wear. And they're decorative and people still, they still wear them on their clothing and their pins because that's how you get them to stay on your clothes. Yeah. I've got a story about those later on before we make the transition to video games involving pin back, okay. pin back buttons. Okay. And well, in addition to the pins, uh, I have something that I'm not sure if you, if it still goes on or not. Oh, okay. What but it, it involves decorative pins. Uh -huh. Back in my day, in the 50s and early 60s, when you're in college, girls would get pinned uh -huh. by their boyfriend. That doesn't, but, that doesn't uh, sound right. 
it involves fraternities and sororities. It's not like the dance, like giving someone a corsage or whatever. No, no. Because those things are pinned that's also. like a hat pin. But anyway, they, it's like if a boy and a girl liked each other a lot, even thought about getting married sometime in the future, the boy would give her his fraternity pin. Okay. And she'd, she'd wear it. Now, I looked this up. It's a lavalier, is what we called it. Uh-huh. Back in the day, when it had, I was never into um, Greek life, so you know I just uh, listened. But if you were lavaliered, that meant you got the pin uh-huh. from your boyfriend's fraternity. Okay, and it was it was important. It was an important thing. But when I looked lavalier up, it's a pendant, huh? Which is strange. So the pins that you're talking about, are they those ones that have the, the little a needle sticking out of a thing? You know, I'm not really sure. There would be a backing that right. you would put on it. Like an earring. Yeah, sort of like that. There are those types of pins. Stud earrings. Yeah. Those pin back button kind of things from like, what, what I just associate them with the 80s. But there are also a lot of, like when I went to Penny Arcade Expo, Pin collecting and pin trading is like a thing that you do when you go there. It's like one yes. of those activities that's kind of a social activity that's like you buy pins of a certain variety or certain game companies will have pins and you ask them if they are selling their pin or it's a hidden sort of item in some cases. I bought a whole bunch of pins from, um, I've talked uh, recently about uh, Psychonauts. Well, within the last year, but <laughs> uh-huh. um, but the yeah, uh, Double Fine Studios had a bunch of pins that that I bought while I was there as kind of souvenirs. So right, yeah. Um, actually, I went down the rabbit hole when I started to like research here, and Disney pins. They they oh, had yeah. a, a little article on Disney pins that are very very collectible. Yeah. And uh, you'd think maybe from the 50s when Disneyland first opened or no, they're modern. There were a lot of the ones that are valuable were uh, the 2000s. Oh, wow. The most expensive one was uh, 11,000 something. Holy cow. And the other ones were 1,000 and uh, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. And like I said, some of them that you might have bought 10 years ago. Could be worth a lot. A lot of them were limited edition. Right. Also, limited selling. Like you had to be in a club, oh, okay. a Disney club. Yeah. And that's where they sold them. And if you were not in that club and it was expensive to get into, you couldn't get them. Yeah. So they were exclusive. Yeah. Sort of like a physical representation of NFTs, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, kind of unique Except tokens. there's more than one. But. Well, right. They're unique. And the, if they do have a limited amount, they've got the different pressings, right? They've got the yeah. order of pressings in some cases with collectibles where it's like, right. this is the fifth one off the press or whatever. Right, right. It's too bad Disney didn't exist back in 1849 because Walter Hunt could have sold one of those Disney pins. Yeah. I made the same amount of money and he could have held on to that pat. A little mouth hanging off it. Right. <laughs> so what are your other pin things? Pin somebody down. Uh, yeah. Not just in wrestling. Yes, in wrestling, he's got a pin. Right. Uh, because there's a point on the, but also to force someone to be specific or there, someone might be hard to pin down. They won't be specific. 
I do remember that I said, pin your ass to the wall, <laughs> which they do have pinning you to the wall. Right. Like someone who basically would... it's just getting somebody up against the wall so they can't move. Is part of that holding the lapel? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. No, but it could be. And one that I really like, you know, the movie Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pinup girl, like right. Rita Hayworth. Exactly. What do you think the current equivalent of the pinup girl is? Well, since there's so much stuff going on on the internet, yeah. people are taking pictures of themselves in various states of undress. Right. There's not much, I don't think there's much call for pinup girls that much anymore. I think that the analog for that. I mean, I wouldn't say porn. I would say probably like OnlyFans because, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't necessitate. I mean, sometimes the OnlyFans things are porn, but not always. It's just sometimes pictures right, right. And, and things or Instagram. You look at the people you want to look at. Maybe Instagram sure. is the answer. But right, right, Pinup right. Girl, wasn't it something that has its roots in the war times, like world wars? Uh, yeah, I think that's where it started. Um, uh, Betty Grable, I think, like the first war pinup girl. Right. Uh, yeah, nobody knows who Betty Grable is, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Rita Hayworth, they know if they saw the Shawshank Redemption. Right. Yeah, I think it was something that the soldiers could take with them. Right. You know, a picture they could take with them. Right. Something that was masturbation material, but yeah, but exactly. people were too shy to call it masturbation material back then, I guess. <laughs> Any other pin? Sometimes pins, like jewelry, are given as a badge of honor. Right. Like when nurses uh, graduate, they get a pin. Mm -hmm. Also, like when I was in 4-H, we would get pins for every year, and they're little metal pins. The iconic 4-H pin the clover exactly so they're kind of a badge of honor or to identify someone right right as someone in the group well i learned something while i was looking up pins uh in my text messages i somehow managed to put my friend tim up at the top of my text messages so there's this big tb above my text messages and i don't know how i did it and i didn't know you know, it's like, I, yeah, I maybe twice a year I text them, you know. I know where you're going with this. And what I did was pin him up there. Yep. So in reading it, I learned how to unpin him. Yeah. So he is no longer at the top of my text. <laughs> that is an interesting use in today's day and age of the word pin. You know, like you pin a conversation at the top of a list or you pin yeah. something to... It doesn't have to be chats, but in general, I, I, I associate it with right. conversations and chats. They even had it like with the Facebook type things yeah. uh, where you comment right. on something um, or even in, uh, in the comments. Yeah, you, make. you can pin something so it appears first right. or it always appears right, right. so for everyone. That's an interesting uh, common use currently that didn't exist. Okay, one that I thought of just while we were talking. Okay. It ties in the last time I was on when we did roll. A rolling pin. Yeah. Well, why is it a pin? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a roll. I mean, I know why it rolls. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Why do they call it a pin? I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't. 
it pins the dough to the table. I don't think it's a verb sort of reason. Maybe it looks like the cylindrical piece is kind of like a peg. And maybe that's the stationary, you know, the part that you roll is the stationary thing is the pin and the rolling thing on top of the pin is what makes it a rolling pin. But you said there's ball bearings involved too with those. Well, they're in the older wooden ones. Yeah. I shouldn't say older. I mean, you can go buy one now. Right. Uh, if you wanted that type. I think I've covered all of mine. What about quiet enough to hear a pin drop? Oh, yeah. Well, that one makes sense. Does it? Sure. It, I mean, if somebody drops a pin and there's uh, like uh, a number of people around, even if even if they were like at home and there were four people and there's cooking being done and this and that, and somebody drops a pin, nobody's going to notice it. Nobody's going to hear it. I beg to differ. If someone drops that rolling pin. No. <laughs> That's a rolling pin. Well, you said you were cooking. I'm just, I'm just going off what you're saying. <laughs> no, I'm sewing on the other side. Of oh, the okay. So you got, you've got a, a good 4-H club sort of cooking, sewing, domestic yes. kind of thing going on. Yep. And if it's so quiet and you drop a pin, granted, it would be on a hard floor. Right. You could hear the pin drop. It makes sense. I mean, it does make sense. Yeah. Idioms are really interesting, sort of like where they come from, I think. Yeah. One thing that I thought of that you haven't mentioned yet is pinstriped, like pinstriped clothing, like the the pattern, or you can get pinstripes on a car. Yeah. You can do pinstriping there, because I really like pinstriped suits. Straight, neat line. Yeah. Within the pattern of the fabric. Right. On automobiles. Uh, it's not always a straight line. Yeah, it's it's a thin painted line as opposed to, yeah. That's very neat. Has a very distinct sort of beginning and an end, right? Even if it curves or whatever, it's, it's right, very, right, right. yeah. Let me see, stuff with pins. We've got pinwheels. Pinwheels. Yep, the modern pinwheel designed by American immigrant toy manufacturer Tegrin M. Samur, originally called the Wind Wheel, in 1919 in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. And in the U.S., they were called Whirly Gigs. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard both. And then also we got the classic game Pin the Tail on the Donkey. Yeah. Which I never thought was really, you're going to blindfold someone and, and then send them with a pointy object <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. The very first version of that game 1899, attributed to Charles Zimmerling. And I've got one last pin thing that I wanted to mention since we got through all of yours. The last thing, the pinhole camera. Yeah. Do you remember the pinhole camera? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In science class, I'm sure uh, at a young age, we made one. Yeah. It doesn't have a lens, but it's got a tiny hole. Essentially, no light in the box, but it will flip an image upside down. Yeah. The way it does that is called camera obscura. Yes, I was just trying to think of camera obscura. Yep, early pinhole cameras. Even date back to the BC days, there are some Chinese writings that reference that kind of phenomenon. I thought I was going to stump you with a camera obscura, but you're you're a smart cookie. There's also these things called camera obscura in in um well there's one in scotland oh um 
in Edinburgh. Are you talking about stereoscope? The stereoscope? No, I'm talking about, it's called the camera obscura, but it's a room. Oh, yeah. And it is kind of like what you say, a stereoscope thing. Yeah, the stereoscope. The only reason I mention it is because the first known description of pinhole photography is in a book by Scottish uh, inventor David Brewster, 1856, The Stereoscope. So that is the name of the book. And it includes a description of the idea of a camera without a lens and only a pinhole. Well, this camera obscura that we went to Uh is old, definitely uh, in the 1800s. But it's a room you Mm -hmm. can go in and see images. Right. They change, uh, you know, according to light and just, you know, different things. I'm probably at move. Right. Um, but the word camera, you know what that means in a lot of languages? No, I do not. Room. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a room. Yeah. Very tiny room <laughs> in some so, cases. Well, no, except in the camera of Right, it's not. We were at. It was a regular. The room is the is the box, right? It was a it was round. It was a dome. It was a round. Oh, okay. uh, Dome thing. Gotcha. And the light was at the top. Okay. The pin, for instance, would be at the top. The image wasn't reversed because it was displayed on the floor. Correct. I mean, it depends where you stood. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. If you went one hundred eighty degrees over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's all I got oh, on pins. Me too. Okay. Do you want to talk about pinball? Oh sure. Yeah. Pinball. Are you you're because a fan? Where, where the heck are those pins? In well, pinball. The, yeah. That that's what those that's what the target the the little things that stick out. They used to be pins, as in you know they're not like bumpers or the pins are things that you hit like you know stationary. I think of the stationary things that. As the ball is traveling through, you hit those things. Okay. And it, the things that you might hit, so maybe they're stationary, and you might hit them uh, kind of like using English, quote, English in pool. Right. So it, you know where to hit them. It's more angle. And, you know what angle to come at them, where to yeah. do it, and then that uh, the way you want it to send the ball the way you want it to. So that stationary bumper is a pin. It's not like targets or anything. That's where the the pin and pinball is is traced back. Like I said, to that uh, to bagatelle, but it's it used yeah. to be something that you had to avoid, and now it's you know in the modern pinball machines, the pins, the older pinball machines, it was like a bunch of pins on a board, a bunch of pegs, really. They didn't have any flippers. It was just you know ball and pegs, sort of like you you were mentioning pachinko. It's sort of like that. Right. Except with just one ball. But then they added flippers. I don't know if I should give you the the pinball quiz. I loved pinball. I really loved it. Yeah. But it's been so long. Okay, so this is kind of an interesting fact about pinball. Did you know when playing pinball in Chicago became legal? A lot longer than you would think. Yep. I mean, uh, it it took them a long time. Right. But I, I really can't say... 1960s? No, no, 1977. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. And that's the thing, too. The 70s, you think of all the pinball machines that were made 
were made in the Chicago land yeah. area by all these different like Gottlieb and Bally Valley. Midway and, and Williams. It was illegal because of the crime since the 30s. So in the 30s is when it became illegal because it was designated a gambling device. Okay. I do remember playing pinball machines when they were illegal in Chicago in suburbs. We had this little place, Fritz off pretzels that we would go to play pinball machines there. And I want to say that was like 1976. Okay. I never played them in Illinois or in Indiana that I remember. I remember going on vacations and finding them at places. Oh, okay. Like Florida. Right. In the early 70s. Yeah. And they'd have like an arcade and it would be all pinball. pinball. Yeah, pinball God, arcades are wonderful. great. Yeah. <laughs> there is a game that I have that is a pinball arcade game that was made by a company called Farsight Studios. Mm-hmm. It's called uh-huh. The Pinball Arcade. Within the last couple of years, some licensing problems where they uh-huh. had all of my favorite classic Williams and Ballet tables. And then Uh they lost the licenses. So they couldn't sell those tables anymore. So now they're only selling the other makers of pinball Uh machines in this, the rights, I think it's Zen Studios. Okay. And and Zen Studios makes really interesting, fun, unique tables that involve figures that walk on the play field. But it's, you know, it's it's video pinball, right? But they are unique designs. And I like the Zen Studios pinball pinball FX, I think is their, their yeah. main flagship. But I like those because they're unique. I don't want to play like Black Knight with a knight drive, you know, running across the screen because that's not the way it felt when I was playing it before. There's also like things with the scoring lights on the table that doesn't make it feel right. like it's actually pinball. But I mean, part of it is the feel of Pulling the thing that the spring load back, right, and letting the ball go mm-hmm. at what you think has con- you have controlled speed, right, and you can feel it. You you put your hands on the side of the machine. Yeah, don't tilt. It, it you can feel it, and it's a tactile thing again. Like yeah, and I think with, with I, it, like haptic the pinball simulators. I I basically before they released all the licenses for this pinball arcade, I bought all the different downloadable table packs they had, which okay. currently they've just been re-released on this, under this other version. It's, there's no difference really. Um, but okay. the company that makes uh, Farsight Studios doesn't, can't sell the other ones anymore. However, if you bought them, you have the licenses for use, so they yeah. don't remove those tables if you bought them. Now there is something I'd like to try when I'm down in Tucson again. Uh, the video. You, I mean, could I try that at your house? Oh yeah, definitely. It's okay. you know, it's, it's I, got all the classic. All pinball arcade was. It wasn't any unique tables. It was just all classic tables, which was the cool part about it. It's definitely something that I think using a controller on the PlayStation Four, which does not have haptic feedback, it still f- doesn't uh, feel like you're playing an actual pinball machine because you've got this little controller in your right. hand. But, you know, for nostalgia purposes, it definitely, you know, scratches that itch for me yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, And then, okay, so the video games. Yes. All right. What sort of pin video games did you have for us? 
Okay. I play is it Zuma? No, I don't play. Yeah, I, I used to play Zuma. Luxor. Is that the one? Yeah, the, the one with the balls. Yes. Yeah. And uh, hey, that's. I mean, you know, I'm shooting. I'm shooting. I'm moving, moving my uh, stationary ball to where I want it, and then I'm shooting it, trying to hit certain things. So that's kind of like pinball. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So the ball just goes. In I mean, a straight line. If you, okay. if you were to say Peggle, I may, I may. Oh, yeah. Peggle is definitely pinball-ish, whereas Zuma is not. I forgot all about it. I remember beta testing that when I used to. Uh, I was on a beta testing group for PopCap games back before they were absorbed by Electronic Arts. And I think the first major game that I worked on was actually the original Zuma. So... I got to play that before it actually came wow. out. Yeah. A whole yeah, bunch yeah. of Bejeweled games, Peggle, Plants vs. Zombies before it became yeah. a big thing. So, yeah, it was really cool working, doing that. But it was just for fun. It wasn't anything where we got paid. It was just... Right. It's a good a good beta testing device. Oh, so, yeah. So. Especially the way that they were running it because at the time, you know, these were mostly like games that they're very low sort of... There's only one person writing the code. That's that's what it is. Uh-huh, it's not uh-huh. like it's designed by a team of a large number of people, which is most of AAA games. So therefore, right, right. not only are you doing your bug testing, but you also want to want to have a group of people. And based on the names that appear at the end of some of those games, they have us listed as beta testers in all the games <laughs> we beta tested. So it's like, you huh. know, about 50, yeah. 50, 50, 60 beta testers. Huh. Yeah, it was a really fun thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting my mom hooked on Zuma on my laptop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. I brought it and I was like showing mom and then she stayed up for like three and a half hours playing Zuma. See, you say, yeah. you say that that's not good, but I think I'm going to bypass the Lupin discussion because it's not, not pin related. Um, okay. it's kind of an interesting game though. That was, you know, the laser disc game. So, okay. You know what? Never mind. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Lupin. <laughs> Lupin the third, which was a, a Japanese, uh, manga series that was written and illustrated by monkey punch. Yes. Monkey yeah. punch. Yeah. Uh, who is, know him well. yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mr. Monkey Punch to you, sir. Kazushiko Kato. Uh, that's his pen name is Monkey Punch. It is a series about a thief. And I don't know if you know Maurice LeBlanc's series of novels, but apparently it was based on a novel. A series. Kind of a familiar name. Yeah, but. that does sound familiar. So the property. I don't remember knowing it was Lupin the Third until far later, where I recognized okay. it in, I don't know if it was an anime, because from the manga, they started making anime series, and it's okay. had yeah. a bunch of different movies and series. It's a very well-known character, hmm. Lupin the Third. But where I came in contact with it was at the Small in Indiana. Uh, there was a Laserdisc game, are you familiar with Laserdisc games? No. Okay. Back in the 80s, the very first Laserdisc game was Dragon's Lair. It was a game okay. 
that I call it sort of a rhythm game, but essentially it would be like a movie. It was cartoons. Don Bluth, oh. the person who did Rats of Nim in that Titan AE uh, movie we talked about <laughs> a while back, that guy made this Dragon Slayer game where it was movie on a laser disc and there was a component that would be like you had to pull the joystick left, right, up and down in time uh-huh. with the video appropriately in order to continue. So it was, okay. you know, it was a game that you could, you know, if you got good enough, um, you could get through it just by knowing the yeah. patterns and knowing the timing. Right. But, right. you know, right. it'd be like any other video game. You pay a quarter and then you get three tries. And if you die, then, you know, yeah. you don't yeah, get yeah. to see the end trying to capitalize on that. There were a number of Laserdisc games that they experimented with, but the technology at the time was just a little too expensive for them back in the 80s to actually mass produce. So there was a game from Stern, the same company that now makes pinballs. Different, uh, different, I I think it's different family members, but it's still Stern Electronics. Yeah. Yeah, it was called cliffhanger it used footage from this loop in the third series of movies that were released the mystery of mamo and the castle of cagliostro cagliostro what they did was spliced it into its own kind of story it sort of followed the same kind of things as on the movies okay yeah and I didn't know, I just knew the game Cliffhanger, and I didn't find out about Lupin until far later. Oh. Also a series of pachinko games. Oh, yeah? By Heiwa <laughs> since 1998. That's the other association with video games I make with that Laserdisc game that I used to say. And it was really crazy. I mean, you know what I used to do with certain movies that were animated was kind of, in my head, make the... You know, like this could be a Laserdisc game where you would, you know, you could ah. kind of see the left, right, up, down, shoot sort of things. Right, right, right. And that was right. probably just yeah. because I was really into video games. But that yeah. was one of the yeah. things. Yeah, your that brain was, like, was thinking that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just kind of like you could make any kind of movie into that sort of game. Yeah. Um, at some point, those types of things became what's called quick time events in games it's basically okay. you press a button at a certain time you have you know like limited time these are like on most current games but that's kind of i would say also the precursor to the quick time event was something that came from laserdisc games okay but anyway okay. so yeah. last thing before we go mm-hmm. is I think I told you about this game, The World Ends With You. Yeah. A game that I'm playing, which is the sequel uh, called Neo, The World Ends With You. Oh, Like I said, it's a sequel where there is a game. Okay, so it takes place in actual districts of Japan. Okay. Yeah. And it's cel-shaded. I think I showed you a picture of what what it looks like the the graphics yeah, of the game i think so the first one came out for the nintendo double screen it came out for that at a time when i had gotten rid of my 
DS. I believe it came out sometime in 2007, around there, but it was re-released. There was an enhanced port made by Hand, is the name of the company, lowercase letters with periods in between them. So I don't know what that acronym stands for. But anyway, it came out in uh, 2012. I bought it uh, as soon as it came out because I was really interested in playing it. The World Ends With You solo remix was a basically a port of the original game that just uses the one screen. The double screen, inter- the interesting part of that was you had one touch screen and you had one display screen. The touch screen on the bottom also was a screen. There were two screens, hence double screen, oh. DS. I'd have to see it. I, you know, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, For somebody who isn't a uh, big gamer. <laughs> think of a flip phone the size of a taco. <laughs> So it's like okay. you've got a taco in your hand, but it's square. Like it's a square taco. Okay. That That's okay. like the size roughly of the DS. And you open the hinge. There are two screens. Yeah. There's one on the top, which is just a display screen. And there's one on uh-huh. the bottom, which is a display screen, but it's also a touchpad. So it's a touch kind of like your, your iPad is. Okay. And that was really high tech back in those days. And it was an interesting sort of experiment by Nintendo that kind of, you know, to some extent is the reason, I mean, its success is sort of the reason why we're here with the Nintendo Switch being so popular because it's like a handheld device that has a lot of really interesting games and really interesting things that you can do with two screens or a touch screen. And I think sometimes that... There are a lot of these games that get ported over to, you know, the the iPads that are great games, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it more often than not, when the game is designed for the double screen, it translates really well because it was designed for a touch screen interface. Whereas a lot of yeah. other games that are ported over to the iPad don't feel the same unless you have unless you have a joystick that you can connect or a, a controller that oh. you can connect to the iPad, which I do have. But not all games will work with that. So anyway, The World Ends With You is sort of a urban fantasy pop culture kind of game. It focuses on the protagonist named uh, Neku. And Neku is forced to participate in this event in the city um, he can't be seen by people, but he's very much to himself and very antisocial. So okay. he realizes that he is in this Reapers game, which is a week-long competition that basically eliminates people down to a last man standing kind of thing. Yeah, And you would use the touchscreen to, you know, control the character, to do different movements, to do basically different powers. Like certain powers would require you to flick the screen up. Some would make a Z, uh-huh. some would, you know. But the cool thing about it, and the thing that reminds me of pins, is in that game, it had, you know, 80s pins. <laughs> I, I say 80s pins, but you know what I'm talking about, right? They're just like little pins that, you know, have... The circular piece of wire and then a straight pin bent bent inward. Yeah. And then some kind of mechanism 
in in that wire that circles around the outside of the pin that has like a little clasp thing. Right, right. And they used to sell a lot of those at like bands, like old bands. Did you have any of those pins, band pins? Do you remember? Oh, I'm sure. I, well, not band pins, no. Other pins. Well, that, that's the thing with this. It's, <laughs> these different pins in different fashions are associated with different stores, and you would buy these pins and level them up, and they would do certain powers. This character, Neku, could equip multiple buttons. And he goes through his adventure learning the power of friendship, <laughs> it's yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But the whole, you know, the whole thing is he's trapped in this world where, how do I explain this? He's trapped in a, in a world uh, of Shibuya, which is, he can see what everyday life is going on, which is, they refer to it as RG, which is the real, the real ground. And okay. the underground or the UG is this sort of plane of existence that's an alternate plane of existence where your characters are Neku and whoever he's paired up with and so through the story you get to meet people and people get eliminated from the game and it's just it's called the reaper's game It, it doesn't so much do this in the neo version but in the original version you look at your hand and it's got a clock on your hand and if that time runs out then you're then you die like if you don't finish your task before that time runs out so the new one is a little bit different but it has huge amounts of pins that you collect and use as your weapons essentially okay things that are a little bit different in the new game neo the world ends with you eventually you do get to pair up with neko and also early on there's another character from the original game who appeared as a villain who is one of your teammates for a little while and ends up being a boss but one of the things that he does he he calls you zeptogram okay <laughs> yeah he uses all sorts of math terms interesting you know what a zeptogram is um no zeptogram is a unit of mass equal to one times ten to the negative twenty-first uh-huh. grams is a zeptogram. So he's just kind of like calling you useless, but then you kind of become right. friends with him. He just is all sorts of dumb, sort of like I'm going to triangulate this. What you know, it's just like Jesus, <laughs> really. <laughs> but all the characters are very two-dimensional. I mean. A lot of characters in those types of games are sort of two-dimensional in that sort of way. But I finished Neo, The World Ends With You, which focuses on, I think, four new characters and a couple of returning characters. Those three, Neku, Beat, uh-huh. and Minamanimoto. That's what it is. So Minamanimoto is the guy who was like one of the evil villains in the first game. He becomes okay. one of your peers that helps you get through the game which eliminates teams it's just a a new thing in a different shopping zone involving new characters a new storyline and you find out that there's someone who's being a puppet master of the person who's running this game who's trying to destroy that township so yes let me see if i get this straight okay it's Japanese Hunger Games. Uh, 
I guess it's sort of, maybe. It reminds me of it a little bit. The games that you're playing are solving puzzles. It's not like Hunger Games where you're trying to eliminate people specifically the games that you're doing are team games so there's there are little things in the game and you know the original the world ends with you was a two-dimensional game right it was a side scroller sort of thing where you had you had some depth but it wasn't like you know the the play field was it was it was not true 3d this is true 3d what you're doing is you you know like part of these reapers games is they say they give you different puzzles like you're supposed to find these these things of lore but then they have different days where you have to do what's called the scramble slam which sounds like a breakfast from denny's i know (laughs) but it is actually a competition where you're basically supposed to you know eliminate territory, fight against other minions of whoever the group leaders are. You start out with four group leaders, including yourself, or actually five group leaders. The big bad is the ruin bringers, but they are associated with the person who's running the, running the whole thing. So you kind of like, okay, who, where are these guys standing? You're not eliminating other characters until you have these battles with you know like if you're get trying to take over as much territory to win that day's event Uh you're fighting things called noise and the noise is it's part animal part tribal tattooing style things like a tribal tattoo okay Okay. yeah it's like it's a combination of those it's got components that are like tribal it kind of fits into the whole pop culture sort of feel of the original and the and the second one okay okay it's a fun game i'm finished through the main story i've got the secondary story to play through but unlocking all the pins i mean they've got 300 Uh, and 300 and some odd uh, pins okay okay a lot of power there yeah here's here's the thing though they're not entirely unique i mean i i would say that if you broke them down into classifications of pins, they've got their own sort of classifications that are similar but at different power levels, right? They're all not wholly unique. That would be pretty interesting or an interesting puzzle. Okay, okay. But for the most okay. part, I mean, you know, there are these, you know, like let's say one has a shocking thing. I've unlocked three different pins that shock people in a different sort of, I mean, in the same way, but at different levels. So, yeah, but the pin designs are really cool. Remind me a lot of eighties buttons and, uh, suspenders. Suspenders. Okay. Well, I used to, (laughs) I used to wear those pins on my suspenders when I worked at TGI McScratchy Funland. Yeah, you're right. TGI Fridays for all of five minutes. I think I didn't even last a month working there. I was so bad at being a waiter. I was horrible. It's, well, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I've told you before. Yep. Three hours, three hours as a waitress, and I was canned. But did you win the tip tray decorating contest? I think not. No, I did, did We didn't. I, it was a fancy country club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not work at a fancy country club. <laughs> yeah. I worked at a thing that made me look like I was a, in a barbershop quartet. Yes, 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 I know, I know. Enough of the TGI Fridays. 
actually one interesting thing about this world ends with you game the neo world ends with you game the 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 setting in shibuya there is an iconic building which is the tower records wow there's a tower records building the same way it used to be over here when it existed a very big tower with where you go buy your records but yeah it's it's kind of one of those symbols that still exists they kept the name when tower records went under in the states so it's like they own the name right but i just thought it was really interesting to see a tower records when it's been like yeah and and that's what i associate with tower records is like back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I worked at TGI Fridays. That's what I think of. So it's just kind of like an interesting sort of perfect storm of 80s references. Right. But anyway, so let's end the show. Do you have anything to talk about with pins? Any more pins? No more pins. Do you have a a phrase you want to say that involves a pin? uh, A pin, pin your ass to the wall. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I like that one. That one just kind I of... I know. I mean, I don't... I it just feels uncomfortable. Well, yeah. <laughs> it would be. Trying to get along enough. Is that, the, is that the point, maybe? <laughs> I think, yeah. And, and I would only do that if I were upset with you for some reason. Yeah. If I was acting like a pinhead? Oh. Yeah. 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 Thank you for joining us. And on that note, my name is Ben. And I'm Nora. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Bye.